Have you ever heard of the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven, also known as the Great Eleven Club? That's a mouthful. But some people just called it the Blackburn Cult. It is one of the most unconventional and freakish religious cults to have operated in Los Angeles. And we all know how weird LA can be. This is going to be an interesting learning lesson that we're going to get about this madness. But it was founded by May Otis Blackburn and her daughter Ruth. And they proclaimed that the angels of Gabriel and Michael appeared to them, declaring them to be the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. Yikes. What are we going to get out of this one, y'all? I don't know. But before we do, let's get a word from our sponsor first. Reviews are coming in for the latest release of Michelle Carey's book, What Happened at Maryland State University. Kat M says, This was what I was hoping for. It was a great young adult mystery novel. The characters did what I was hoping for and were so well done. I was invested in what was happening and enjoyed how tense it was. Also Lee mentioned, So I literally read the synopsis for this book and was like, yes, spooky season is coming up and this sounds awesome. I mean, this book took me a little over an hour to read it was that good. These four college kids are trying to end a curse put on their families with the help of their professor and wow the ending I never saw coming. It was so good. Do you want to know what happened at Maryland State University? It's a gripping story that will take your breath away. If you're looking for something to read, look no further than what happened at Maryland State University, released in ebook, paperback, and hardback. It is an intensely raw and gripping novel by Michelle Carey. When four unlikely college students fight the dark source for the first time on Halloween night, they realize that their families have been battling it for generations. What happened at Maryland State University is an epic tale of magic, gamesmanship, and bravery. This is the perfect book for anyone looking to enter the new world of young adult fiction. Fighting evil has never been so fun, with so much at stake. There is no time to lose. Buy what happened at Maryland State University today at these retailers, Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Google Play Books, and Kobo. Reviews were posted on Goodreads.com. This ad is sponsored by Sunray Multimedia. Okay, let's get into this cult. So, May Otis Blackburn and her daughter Ruth were a mother and daughter duo, quote unquote, of entertainers. They starred in some film called A Nugget in the Rough, and it was in 1917, and it was Portland, Oregon's first feature film of that year. It was produced by Miss Blackburn for the Starlight Film Company, of which she owned the company. And to further their careers, they moved to Los Angeles in 1922. But Ruth, the daughter, she was also supporting her and her mother by working downtown as a quote-unquote taxi dancer. And in the earliest 20th century, that was the version of an exotic dancer. I had never heard of this term before until I did research on this topic. So a taxi dancer. But sometime after they moved to Los Angeles in 1922, the mother, May Otis Blackburn, she proclaimed that two angels, Michael and Gabriel, came to her and appointed her that she and her daughter would write a book of divine knowledge and revelation, that they were these people that the angels came to, 
describe this book. And she claimed that the angels were dictating the book to her. So they was like, yo, we got some things that we need people on earth to know. So we need you to write it down for us. And of course, that when she published this manifesto, this, this, this publication, this book, it would usher in an apocalyptic an event. It would just, once it was published, shit was going to start happening. Stuff, birds were going to fall from the sky. Waters were going to bubble up. It was going to be some shit, y'all, is what she claimed was going to happen after she dropped this book. Now, the name of the book was to be titled The Seventh Trumpet of Gabriel. I guess that didn't sound good, like that wasn't resonating. So it was changed to The Sixth Great Seal. And the book's purpose, of course, was, like I said, to reveal the mysteries of heaven and earth, life and death, and predict these end of times type of stuff. So during this time, the woman also assembled a collection of followers. She got some folks from Portland that followed her and her daughter to Los Angeles. And later from around the country, she began calling her and her daughter. They were self-proclaimed queens and high priestesses. Yeah, we got some craziness going on here. Then she created the order, this order called the Divine Order of the Royal Arms of the Great Eleven. And that name was derived from her proclamation that the apocalypse, that when this apocalypse happened, there would be 11 queens that would rule the world from mansions on Olive Hill in Hollywood of all places. And for each queen, a marble palace was to be erected on the Mount of Olives in Hollywood. And it was to be supplied with 11 kings chosen by the angel Gabriel. Sound like to me, she was like, yeah, I'm going to get my girls together and we're going to get these men and they're going to take care of us because, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> the queens and their respective entourages were to rule the world for eternity. From Hollywood, of course, from Los Angeles, California, they was going to rule the world from Hollywood. So she required her believers to give her money, property, and various other objects of value to support her and her daughter's work. So we can't write this book. Not just yet, because if we do, all hell is going to break loose, and we're not ready for hell to break loose. So it's still being dictated to us. We're still getting the message. So, but right now, we're going to be cool, y'all. We're going to be real cool. But Y'all going to have to give us some loot. Y'all going to have to give us your property, your money, your land, and everything if you want us to finish this. Because y'all can't take your stuff to where we going. But the angels told me, y'all have to give me this stuff. Y'all have to let me hold it. That's what I'm hearing. And May's daughter, she was said to have been no problem attracting men and had already shown a talent for extracting money from them. Mm-hmm. So these two women, they were really attractive and they were charming. 
They worked in the entertainment industry. And back then in the 20s, the entertainment industry was run by men. But men had weaknesses and they were there to fulfill those weaknesses. But for a small price, maybe not so small, but for a price. So they were used to using their looks to get what they wanted from men because they did it all the time. They were never without. And it was their thing to get money from potential suitors and having men do whatever it was that they wanted. It's a racket, y'all. It is a racket. Scam up to the hill. They were scamming in the 1920s, 100 years ago. They were throwing down this pussy scam for real, for real. One in particular that they got was this guy by the name of Clifford Dabney. Now, he was the nephew of an oil magnate. So he came from Richie Rich, some oil folks. And this joker, he gave them fools $40,000 in cash and assets. Now, in today's money, that's somewhere probably around a million dollars. You just giving these little two fools over here because they look good some money. Because they promised you in return to be that he was going to be among the first to see her book, that the Blackburn book ahead of its publication. Wow. So you paid $40,000 a hundred years ago to get a first glimpse of what was going on in this book. Like you actually thought that you actually thought that was going down. First of all, you actually thought the book was going down. Second of all, you actually thought that the stuff that was going to be in the book was true. Like what? Make it make sense for us, right? So he was trying to get ahead of the situation, not realizing he was just being used and abused like so many others. Along with the money and the assets, he also donated 164 acres of land in California, which the mother and the daughter used to settle their cult on all their followers. And what this did was this helped Blackburn and her daughter lead their cult members to build cabins on the donated land where cult members would take up residence and they would await the return of Christ based upon the stuff that Blackburn, Mrs. Blackburn was telling them. And these cult members, they resided on the property, but they were compelled to work now. They had to work. So you wasn't going to be on this piece of land that was given to her for free. They were compelled to work at a nearby tomato packing house and turn their pay into Miss Blackburn. What? So now you got me on your land working. I can't keep my money. And you still haven't written a book yet, but I'm waiting for Christ to return. Okay, <laughs> this is this is some crazy stuff right here. So in the evenings, the cult members, they would all get roped up and they would gather around for rituals. They would gather around for rituals and they built this natural amphitheater on the property and they sacrificed poor animals. They sacrificed mules. And according to some witnesses, they danced in the nude. Now I'm not surprised because I don't know why I always hear about some cult always getting naked and doing some twerking for some reason. And that was among other bizarre occurrences because it was alleged that one cult member was placed in a hot brick ass oven in order to cure their illness. They had some type of blood disease and they thought putting that joker, that person into 
the hot brick oven was going to cure them of that. But needless to say, of course, this person died as a result and they were burned to death. Like what in the world were people thinking about a hundred years ago when they was doing this foolishness? I mean, just doesn't even sound like anything anybody of today would even remotely get suckered into, right? Right? And then four other cult members were also reported to have mysteriously disappeared, including Roots, which is the daughter's husband, who is said to have hit her. So, you know, she's a high priestess and a queen. You can't be laying your hands on her. He ended up missing. And it was alleged that these people that went missing, they were poisoned. But they don't know for sure. And the newspaper articles from that period of time reported about strange rituals, including the sacrifice of the animals, sex scandals, and attempts to resurrect a dead 16-year-old girl. What? What? What is going on here? Like, people have the psychosis here is, is 10 feet deep. Oh my God. So on New Year's Day of 1925, a 16-year-old cult member, Willa Rhodes, she died from a serious infection from a toothache. She had a tooth issue that was an infection that probably got in her blood and she died on New Year's Day. But her parents, I'm like, what? Her parents preserved her body. And during the first year of preservation, they moved around a lot with the cult. And they felt naturally obligated, of course, to take their daughter's body with them. She was traveling with them. And in order to transport her from one residence to the next, they propped old girl up in the backseat of their automobile, y'all. They propped her up. I mean, it's like weekend at Bernie's back in the 20s, the 1920s with a teenage girl, like, like in living color, for real. To the point where people thought the remains, because they were so well preserved, that passersby thought they, the chick was living they couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> anyway, so Mrs. Blackburn, she assured that the grieving parents, she assured them and other cult members that the girl would be resurrected. She would come back to life after 1,260 days had passed and when her book was published. Now, mind you, this book, we've been waiting for this book for a hot minute now, okay? At least three, four years we've been waiting for this book and it still has not shown up. But now we got to wait another 1,260 days. Okay, so she told them all they had to do was to continue to preserve her body for the event and that the deceased girl's body was immediately placed in a bathtub to be preserved with ice, spices, and salt. And then 14 months later, when the girl's parents moved back to Los Angeles, they moved into a home in Venice and they bought the girl's very much preserved body with them and placed it in a metal coffin beneath the floor of their house. This is a lot. This is this is a lot because you've been traveling with this dead body. You've been moving it to place to place. Now you have moved it back. You know, just just all kinds of BS and nonsense going on here. Anyway, 
this is the most disgusting part as a as a pet owner, as a dog lover, because adjacent to her coffin, placed another coffin containing the sacrificed bodies of seven puppies. These poor babies. They suffered at the hands of these motherfuckers. Oh my God. And it was said to represent the seven tones of the angel Gabriel's trumpet. Not the puppies. Not the puppies, y'all. The puppies. But y'all know Willa wasn't coming back to life. I don't know why anybody couldn't talk any sense to the parents. They should have did what was right and did the proper thing was to notify the authorities and bury that girl properly. But they didn't because the police found out they found the corpse of Willa under the floor at their house, wrapped in the spices and salt and surrounded by the body of the seven dead dogs and her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Rhodes. They later confessed to the police that they had placed their daughter in the tomb 14 months earlier at the suggestion of May Otis Blackburn. Now, you know, you can't hang that, the death of the girl on Blackburn because she was already dead. She died from the infection from a toothache. But just the mere fact that they actually believe this woman. So then Blackburn and her followers, they were actually probably responsible for the deaths of several people for which nobody was ever prosecuted. But fast forward. Now, don't forget, she didn't got this money and this land from Mr. Dabney, Clifford Dabney. And what happened was in 1929, Dabney and some other Blackburn followers, they had lost patience for the completion of the book. Now, Dabney got pissed, right? And some other Blackburn followers, they lost some patience. They lost their patience for the completion of her book. And her promise, last of end of days events that just didn't seem to be coming or happening. So they filed charges of fraud and theft against her for as much as $200,000. Now back then, two two hundred grand that was a lot of money. In today's terms, that's about $4 million. Adjusted for inflation, of course. And as the allegations also emerged of the unreported deaths and disappearances, police expanded their interest, leading to the discovery of the mummified body of Willa Rose beneath her parents' Venice home. Yeah, so they were connecting the dots. And it also could be, it could not be determined at the time how that 16-year-old girl Willa had died, but from anything but natural causes. And the police were, they weren't able to uncover any type of viable evidence regarding the disappearances of the four missing cult members, including Ruth's husband. And prosecutors could not substantiate the allegations of any of the cult members' death from being baked in the oven. But we know somebody was baked in the oven. Now, even through all of that, that's not what took Blackburn down. She was investigated for fraud and grand theft, and no autos were involved. But on March 2nd, 1930, Mrs. Blackburn was convicted of eight counts of grand theft, and the grand theft charges grew out of the complaint from Clifford Dabney that the cult leader had built him out of $40,000. He had testified that she obtained the money from him to finance the writing of the book to be known as The Great Six Seal 
which she told him was being dictated to her by archangels Gabrielle and Michael. And this gentleman, he had also testified that Blackburn told him that the book would reveal sources of untold wealth and oil and mineral deposits. Hmm. So it really just wasn't about the end of the world. It was about some money stuff too, some resources, and he fell for that. So upon her promise to reveal the secrets of the book to him, Three years before it was distributed to the public, he said he agreed to finance it. Man, this is being scammed. You talk about snake oil salesman. <laughs> oh, what do you call it when it's a woman? Is it still snake oil saleswoman, I guess? But on November 30th, 1931, an appellate court ruled that evidence regarding suspected cult deaths or disappearances of cult members was introduced by prosecutors that had no bearing on the fraud charges. And so in addition, they stated that, quote unquote, that a mentally healthy person such as Clifford Dabney was responsible for his own decisions to associate himself with religious orders such as the one created by May Blackburn. So it's on you, homie. It's on you. You decided you was going to give her that money. You decided that you thought it was worth it. So that's on you because you're mentally healthy. So right around that time, because she did serve some time in jail waiting for the appeals court to go through, the cult kind of just really collapsed after she was imprisoned for stealing the $40,000 from Clifford Daphne. But she was eventually freed. And yeah, like I said, there was insufficient evidence to charge her with any additional crimes. But however, her organization was in decline as a consequence of that negative publicity surrounding her investigation and trial. And she ended up dying June 17th, 1951 in Los Angeles. And yep. Now this is the crazy part. I mean, after all that, you would say, Michelle, you, you know, you, you had a lot of crazy parts, but there's more, there's more. The irony of Ruth and May Basing their religion on producing this book is that they were both horrible writers. No wonder it took so long because they couldn't write the book. And one of the few people who actually saw a draft of The Sixth Seal called it the most astounding, bewildering hodgepodge of biblical and mythological references that they had ever seen, which was probably why its release was constantly delayed and then why it just never happened. What the hell? There's some weird people out there. I mean, they got some mental psychosis that just be throwing folks for a full loop. You know what I mean? Just a full loop. Now, that was a bit of craziness. And with all that going on, no one was held responsible. And I don't think, I know that shit would not fly in 2022. 100 years later, nah, we're not doing any of that BS. <laughs> Whew, what a thought and ramble. What a thought and ramble that was. 
Okay, y'all. But thank you for listening to this most interesting, most interesting thought and ramble. I am grateful, as always, for your listenership and having you to be a part of the Thoughts and Rambles crew. Today and always, until next time, be well, stay safe, and give love. And I'm out. This podcast has been produced by Sunray Multimedia and Michelle Carey. Music by CreatorMix.com. The YouTube audio library and editing by Descript.